Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. It's lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. And we are bringing together the best and brightest in recruiting to make sure you're up to date on all the major headlines across the country. And Blair, this kind of feels like the calm before the storm, but there's still a lot happening. We actually teased it a little bit without really knowing. Last week, we mentioned Ohana and Oregon. What do the Ducks do? They land the number one player in the state of Hawaii this week, Iapani Lalalulu. So that gives us a little bit of legitimacy now, Emily. I love it. All right, so here's what we have on tap. Steve Wiltfong will join us for a look at where the 2024 quarterback dominoes may fall. Plus, we'll discuss the challenges of recruiting through a coaching search and hit on the biggest freak in the 23 class. Who gets him? Well, Shane Beamer hoping he is the lucky winner. As always, let's kick it off with some headlines. We may not have to wait as long as we thought to see the number two player in the 2024 class. IMG Academy corner Desmond Ricks is reclassifying and joining the 23 class where he is now ranked 33rd. So the question of where is he going gets even more interesting. Yeah, if he has that decision to make and if he plans to sign early during the early signing period in December, now that gives him less than two months to go until making that decision. That gives him some time to go and take some official visits. And whereas some of these schools thought they had a lot of more time to to get him on campus, this becomes a race to get Desmond Ricks on campus before he puts pen to paper. Meanwhile, flip season continues. Four-star offensive lineman Roderick Kearney is flipping from Florida State to Florida. How surprising is this Sunshine State switch? Well, Emily, as you labeled it last week, it's officially flip season. So nothing is truly surprising during flip season. But what is interesting about this, and as our colleague Andrew Ivins pointed out, uh, he actually committed to Florida State after his official visit to Florida on the car ride home. And then what does he do after the official visit to Florida State? Well, he commits to Florida. So he flip, flips uh, essentially twice uh, in the span of, uh, of a few months and obviously a big pickup for the Gators. 
It's the Florida flip. All right, no permanent head coach, no problem. Nebraska lands 2023 four-star Malachi Coleman, the number four athlete in the class, is from Nebraska. But Blair, he credits his relationship with interim head coach Mickey Joseph as a reason as to why he committed. So what happens if change comes at the end of the season? Yeah, that's going to be the key. If Mickey Joseph remains on staff, that's going to be the the big thing that Malachi Coleman looks at, whether he's the head coach or remains an assistant and Mickey Joseph remains in Lincoln, you could expect Malachi Coleman will also stick with his commitment to the Cornhuskers. Yeah, recruiting with an opening at head coach is a tricky situation to manage. We'll dig deeper on that subject and how it pertains to Wisconsin a little bit later in the show. But we want to bring in our director of recruiting, Steve Wiltfong, to talk quarterback dominoes. Steve, three coveted 2024 QB prospects have all committed. Dylan Rayola to Ohio State, C.J. Carr to Notre Dame, and Georgia recently landing Ryan Puglisi. So with all of those quarterbacks now off the board, kind of turns up the heat for some major programs still looking for their guys. So how does that process now change for those teams still looking? Well, I think it obviously quarterback recruiting is a thing that comes in waves and you have your first round of the guys that are considered elite and you have a lot of the same schools pursuing those young men. Then you're going to have some guys that rise off junior film. And so there'll be some new elite guys coming out of the season that kind of join these guys that already have that stature. And and, and as young men start coming off the board, uh, you pivot to other targets. We've already kind of seen some domino action in this class. Dylan Rayola, the number one overall player in the top 247. He's in Ohio State's class, committed to the Buckeyes in May. But there was a time where I considered Georgia the team to beat in that recruitment. And then USC had some momentum in, 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 that, in those sweepstakes as well. So he's at Ohio State. Georgia gets Ryan Pugliese in camp. So does Alabama. Alabama offered Rayola as well. Uh, uh, they both go on Puglisi. Now Puglisi's in Georgia's class. Al- that's another guy off the board for Alabama. USC, they're all in on five-star DJ Lagway, among others, from, from Texas, who was at Clemson this past week. And I know we're going to talk about him in a little bit, but just giving you some perspective on how these dominoes go. You know, Notre Dame has C.J. Carr in the fold. He picked Notre Dame over Michigan. Michigan's also heavy on another young man we're about to talk about, but the Dominoes are starting to teeter over here in 2024, and uh, these coaches are hitting the roads and, and, and checking in on top guys and evaluating others. Steve, there are so many moving parts, especially when it pertains to quarterback recruiting. And now there's a different angle, a different aspect that is affecting recruitments, and that would be the transfer portal. Have you seen quarterbacks specifically maybe make decisions knowing that, hey, if it doesn't work out at this place, I can just go into the portal and maybe go to my option B, option C? I think most of these young men, when they're making their decisions, they're hoping that this is the place where they have finality and they achieve their dreams of becoming a a first round draft pick, perhaps being three and done and moving on from there. I mean, obviously the portal, everyone knows it's there. And and if things don't work out, you can uh, uh, maybe find some some fresh waters elsewhere uh, that that, uh, um, you know, give you a better opportunity to blossom. But I think that when you look at Dylan Rayola, he's not planning on going in the portal. CJ Carr's not planning on going in the portal, and neither is Ryan Puglisi or uh, um, Dante Reno, who's committed to South Carolina. Those are guys that are excited about their futures in those respective cities and, 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 and achieving everything that they're looking to do on the next level. 
All right, some guys still available. Five-star quarterback Jaden Davis still mulling over his college decision. He plans to get a second look at the Wolverines this weekend. He was there earlier this season back in week two, but has been really all over the country this fall. So, Steve, where do things stand with his recruitment? Well, he's taking his second visit to Michigan this weekend. I like where the Wolverines stand with the Charlotte Providence Day School standout. Jim Harbaugh uh, spent part of his bye week was down there uh, uh, visiting at the school. And then Matt Weiss, offensive coordinator, stuck around and watched Jaden throw for nearly 500 yards and three touchdowns, including the game-winning touchdown uh, in, in a big game last week. And so he's going to return the favor and stand on Michigan's sideline and, and watch them take on rival Michigan State in prime time. And the Wolverines have done a great job recruiting Jaden Davis. He's been there several times. Going back to the summer, you got some other contenders in there, though. You have the Clemson Tigers. You have LSU. They're another program in the mix. Tennessee is one he likes. North Carolina, as you said, he's made some rounds and been a lot of places. But Michigan getting the first, second game visit of the fall. Jim Harbaugh just there. Michigan in the playoff last year. Uh, J.J. McCarthy and his family. Uh, Jaden Davis and his family, they've really clicked with the McCarthys. Michigan has a lot going on here in this recruitment with the number two quarterback in the country, uh, Ohio State number one, Michigan number two, perhaps. That'd be exciting. How much do you look at, Steve, the the effect that this could have on Michigan recruiting if, if they were to land a Jaden Davis this early in the 2024 recruiting cycle? Well, it'd be another layer, right, that would help them recruit because I think that he's a young man that is very well known among his peers may even help Michigan finish the 2023 class early, depending on what time or what his 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 time frame is. I know he's talked in the past about taking spring official visits, but he's taken so many visits uh, in the meantime. You know, who knows if he, he doesn't move that timeline up. But uh, obviously, Michigan, they're in the playoff hunt again after making the playoff last year. The NFL draft's been good to them under Coach Jim Harbaugh. They got a lot going for them, and, and uh, Jaden Davis would help provide another inch of that peer recruiting on the trail in the 2024 class with the profile he's had. Uh, first player invited to the All-American Bowl, just a young man that's been known around the country for several years already. Yeah, a lot of people want in on this young man. Davis was also in Clemson, South Carolina a few weeks ago. You mentioned his interest in the Tigers. So they're not putting all their eggs in one basket, as we talked about last week with Michigan. They're also going after the number one quarterback from Texas, DJ Lagway. He took his third visit to Death Valley this past weekend. So how does Clemson stack up in the battle for Lagway? Well, they're one of his top schools. Talked to him today about his visit to Clemson, and he said it was one of the best game atmospheres he's been in. Talked to his dad, and he said they really make you feel like family there. And I like the, or he likes the the faith-based program that Dabo Sweeney and company runs. So Clemson is certainly a school that's in uh, great shape for DJ Lagway at this point in the process. So is Florida. He's been there numerous times. I think that's Billy Napier and company's top target on the board, and they've certainly made him feel that way. And he's very excited about the trajectory of that Florida program. And if you look at the way Florida's recruited, I love the way they're loading up on defense. They're getting playmakers across the board on offense. But quarterback is uh, kind of that position still uh, that that uh, um, they could hit big at, in my opinion. And DJ Lagway is a guy that they're all in on there. And then USC wants to get out and see USC, talk about the Notre Dame game over Thanksgiving weekend as a possibility. He's been to one LSU game this year. Maybe gets back for the Alabama game and, and then also has talked about getting back to Tuscaloosa as well, another program that he has really enjoyed on past visits.
Steve, I want to touch on the Trojans because Lincoln Riley was not stacking five-star after five-star at Oklahoma, right? He was taking maybe a cycle off, going after a five-star, taking a cycle off. DJ Ladway would follow Malachi Nelson. You know, this is, a, a, I think, a remarkable storyline potentially there. He has some ties in the state of Texas. How big would this be for the Trojans to continue to populate that quarterback room? Well, I think he's given up or uh, given up. Maybe it's not the right terminology, but I think... He wouldn't mind getting a five-star in every class because first he tried to get Dylan Rayola, and they were in great shape for him. They were a finalist for him. And now with Rayola off the board, Lagway's a guy that they've had on campus and really like, and he's got as much upside as any passer in this class, and he's really having an outstanding junior year for Willis, Texas. And you know these programs that, that DJ's looking at, uh, um, there's going to be a lot of competition in that quarterback room with guys in front of you and guys behind you. And, and so I, I think for USC, as much as any program, that, that certainly stands. But it's one he's very interested in. Get back out there around Thanksgiving and watch him take on the Irish. And uh, you know we'll see what happens from there. Speaking of Cali, the top quarterback in California could be the first domino to fall. Julian Sayan told our national recruiting analyst Greg Biggins that he could decide in the next couple of weeks. So Steve, Georgia had some early momentum with this one, but they just got their quarterback. So how do you see it playing out? Yeah, I talked to some people with uh, knowledge of this recruitment today that corroborated what the great Greg Biggins is reporting. A decision in the next week or two is is anticipated for Julian Sand. I expect LSU quarterbacks coach Joe Sloan to be out there on Thursday checking in on, on Sand during the bye week. And I think before the Alabama visit, I would have said that LSU is clearly the team to beat and, and uh, certainly still have a great chance to land him, but just he's coming off a great visit to Alabama uh, um, uh, where they got the chance to spend some time with Bryce Young and company, and certainly that program speaks for itself as well. Those are the two programs I'm looking at the at the hardest. So we, we talked about other quarterbacks and, and mentioned LSU and Alabama with them, but Julian Sane could be a domino that kind of eliminates uh, one of those programs for his, his peers in this class. Excited to see how this all plays out, Steve. We know you'll be all over it. Thank you so much for that great insight. Make sure to check out new episodes of the Wilt Fong Whip Around dropping every Monday and Friday on the 24-7 Sports YouTube page. Blair, we hit on all the headliners, but what about those late bloomers, those 2023 quarterbacks who maybe developed later, they're tearing it up in their senior seasons right now. How do staffs make sure that they're keeping an eye on those players to potentially go back to if they miss out on these 24 guys? Yeah, I think those lines of communication still exist, right, between coaches and high school coaches and trainers, and they're always monitoring who's rising or who's putting up uh, tremendous seasons stats-wise, production-wise, who's grown, right? There are players who maybe develop physically a little bit later than their peers, and I think that's an interesting aspect of this recruiting cycle, as well as the ever-looming coaching carousel, right? You think about all the moves and all the changes that are about to happen in college football, well, offensive coordinators, QB coaches, they're going to be moving around as well. And they each have their own guy that they believe in. So a lot of movement still expected. And, and obviously with quarterbacks specifically, I think all eyes are on that position and, and how important it is in every recruiting cycle. Yeah, these recruiters have their work cut out for them because as we know, recruiting never stops, even when there's no permanent head coach in place. With Power 5 jobs opening up by October 2nd, five of those jobs opening, recruiting through a coaching change is happening all across the country. But we want to look at one program in particular. 
The Power 5 job that has most recently come open with an interim head coach perhaps most likely to land the full-time job, that is Wisconsin. Joining us now are Evan Flood. He's a Wisconsin insider over at Badger 24-7, the Wisconsin side on 24-7 Sports Network, as well as Chris Singletary, national analyst at 24-7 Sports. And guys, we're here to discuss the ramifications and I guess the process of recruiting while there's a coaching change. And, and I'll start with you, Evan. Wisconsin is going through this right now. How are the Badgers navigating through the process as we make that charge towards the early signing period? Well, it's a little bit easier than probably most coaching changes because obviously Wisconsin, you know, without necessarily lying to a, a prospect's face and making empty promises can at least point to, hey, you know, here's Jim Leonard. This is the guy we want to take over, barring, you know, any huge catastrophic turn of events here in the last uh, four games now. You know, Jim Leonard's 2-1. and one. They've played some of their best football under him. So so I think it's helped keep this class together. And, and Wisconsin obviously hasn't lost a commit yet, which is pretty impressive. They got some other guys looking around. But, you know, they can start to sell them a vision and a future and, and not necessarily be used car salesmen or make empty promises about it. So I think it helps that they kind of had this guy waiting in the wings versus, you know, sort of that uncertainty that you might see in most schools like in Nebraska, you know, at, at this time where you just don't have any clue who, who the next guy is going to be. And, and that's helped keep commits in the boat for the most part. It just allowed them to even recruit a little bit going forward in this 2023 cycle with some new guys out there. And then, you know, obviously we'll have to see what happens over these next four weeks, whether or not Leonard is the guy, but you know, that's pretty much what they're selling to these commits that, you know, barring some unforeseen circumstances, most of this staff is going to stay intact. I think when you look at this situation, it's a lot like Evan said, but I think even more so is in particular, the coaching change ideally was made because of, of, of a change in the offensive philosophy. So if you're an offensive guy that's given recruited by Wisconsin or offensive commit, you're more so really more, uh, evaluating where we're going forward from that standpoint. What are we going to be doing from a schematic standpoint? Who is the offensive coordinator going to be? Who on the offensive side of the ball is still going to be there? I think you have tremendous stability on the defensive side of the ball, but offensively is where you're going to really have some discussions with prospects and their parents, whether they're committed or uncommitted, to what it's going to look like in the future. And even though you're still going to have stability with Jim Leonard, you can't come back with the same staff. So there's going to be turnover, regardless if it's on the offensive, defensive side of the ball. And I think kids want to know, hey, is the guy that's recruiting me, my position coach, is he going to be there? So I think, you know, not only winning games and things of that nature, but also who's going to be on this staff is some questions that Jim Leonard is going to have to answer um, going forward, you know, to be able to keep the class intact and to be able to build on it. Chris, you've been on a number of recruiting staffs, and, you know, this is – an interesting part of, of the business, right? Especially now that the coaching carousel has been bumped up uh, a couple months. I, I think there's no time now to waste. And that's why some coaching moves are, are made. But what was it like for you as a recruiter to be in that office during a coaching change in the middle of the season? Tremendous stress because you're getting a lot of questions from parents, from high school coaches, 707 coaches, and prospects themselves on what's going on. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to temper their expectations. You're trying to let them know they still have a home there. And that ultimately, regardless to who comes in from an education standpoint, from a football standpoint or a social standpoint, that that place is still a very, very good fit. Uh, and you're selling them on that. And you're also selling them on, on, on 
uh, continuity and stability. You know, Wisconsin is not a place that has had a lot of change over the years. So you're saying, hey, look, this was just something that had to be made. We still have a guy right on the interim level who could be the long-term coach that we're, you know, possibly looking at as the as the the, the, the successor. Um, same thing that, you know, we were used when we were talking about recruits in Michigan. And even at Arizona, they didn't have a lot of coaching change when you had the coaching change from Rich Rod to Sumlin. And so those are the things. But you also have to be able to, and it's weird, kind of get the coaches that are currently on the staff still motivated because whether right, wrong, or indifferent, those guys are still coaching the current team and recruiting to potentially be able to stay on staff with whoever the new coach is. So there are a lot of different variables. There are a lot of different conversations. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to sell the stability. You're trying to make sure they have a comfort level. And any question they have to ask, you have to ask it. And you have to answer it and be, true, you know, really upfront, really blunt, and just let them know, look, it's a rough time, but understand this is speaking to the history of the place. We normally don't have this change. This is something that's out of the ordinary. But trust me, when it's all settled and the dust is settled, we'll be fine. We'll be able to move forward in a positive direction for your son. And for Jim Leonard, too, I mean, you're talking about a guy that this is his dream job at Wisconsin. And I think that makes that vision easier to sell when you've got a guy who's a lifer. I don't think any recruit wants to go in there thinking, OK, am I going to go through this in two or three years again down the line? You know, if this guy is successful and, and jump ship, you know, at Wisconsin, you don't have to worry about that. I mean, this is a guy that's already stayed. Um, turned down some major defensive coordinator jobs, including Green Bay Packers to stay at Wisconsin. I mean, this is it for him um, being the head coach at Wisconsin, assuming he gets it. So I think the quicker Wisconsin can, can announce this. Now there's some hiccups there um, in, in terms of, you know, Wisconsin state law, you have to open the job for two weeks and, and you know, interview some candidates. So, you know, how you want to play that out and when you want to do it. I don't know if it's the best look to, hand the job over to the guy in the middle of the season and kind of make a show out of an interview for, for other candidates. That's not really there. You know, that'll be up to athletic director, Chris McIntosh. Uh, but back to what I was saying, I think, you know, if you, the, the quicker you can get Leonard in here, you know, the quicker that, that water's going to, going to start to settle. And um, you know, you can start not only keeping and making sure these guys are going to sign in December, but um, potentially adding to a, to a recruiting class that's, you know, frankly, way below even even Wisconsin standards right now. They have not recruited well in this cycle, sitting back in the, the late 50s in the 24-7 sports composite recruiting rankings. So I think on top of what you were saying, the earlier that they can, you know, tell recruits that this is a done deal, it's going to be Jim Leonard, uh, the, the better. Yeah, second to last right now among those Big Ten programs in the team recruiting rankings. And like you mentioned, Evan, outside the top 50. Chris, I want to go back to something Evan said about how the quicker this happens, the better it is for recruiting. In an ideal world, how much time does a staff need ahead of the early signing period? Are we talking two weeks? Are we talking a month? Like, What would be an ideal time frame for them to be able to fit in as many visits as many meetings, as many of that turnover stuff that you deal with as a recruiting staff? In a perfect world, obviously you want time. With the signing day being moved up um, and, and Wisconsin could potentially, this is the other part, they could potentially put themselves in a bowl game. And so now they have to wait a little bit of a longer period of time to kind of like have the dust settle who's going to be the guy. But ultimately, if you can get a good three weeks, and then have some continuity on staff with some guys being retained, you can get it done. You're going to have to be, you know, in and out of schools. You're going to be on private planes. Um, logistically, for a place like Wisconsin, 
who's not necessarily trying to recruit all over the country from a national perspective, you're really going to be able to hit, um, obviously, in-state kids, Ohio, Illinois, uh, St. Louis, Michigan, and then obviously get down to uh, to Florida where they've had some success uh, with their skilled guys in the secondary receiver positions like that. So really, if you can get a good solid three weeks, then you can really make it work and be able to get in and out. Yeah, a lot of time, obviously, here remaining until the early signing period, about two months to go. Uh, but obviously, week by week, things have, have been changing. Visits are happening, official visits, commitments, and everything that happens with recruiting. It's going to be an interesting situation at Wisconsin. Chris Singletary, you can follow his work at 247sports.com. And Evan Flood, insider for Wisconsin Badgers over at Badger 24-7. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. It is good to be a Gamecock. A win over Texas A&M in front of a stacked group of prospects prompted the head coach to tweet this. Me going through my phone reading all the text messages from recruits after the game last night. Shane Beamer feeling like Drake cheering on the many teams he supports. Beamer ends with this. We are just getting started. And he's right. The Beamer boom is reverberating all over as South Carolina is now ranked for the first time in four years. And its 2023 class has an even higher number attached to it, coming in at 15th nationally. If that holds, it would be their best class in a decade. Blair, things are looking real good for those Gamecocks. Yes, and Emily, considering that he was brought on 10 days before that early signing period in 2020 and South Carolina finished outside the top 75, they had zero four stars. I think we all saw that and knew that it would be temporary because of the connections he's able to build, the just the reputation that he had as a recruiter going into that job. And it's remarkable. Last year, they finished inside the top 25. And then this year, you look at them and you think, oh, you know, this is a program that can recruit at a top 20 level consistently. 
did pretty well in that transfer portal as well. A guy who helps the rating the most is Marquis Anderson, but a guy that helps our show out the most here is Hale McGranahan. Hale, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. We want to dip right into South Carolina in the heat that they are on right now on the recruiting trail. From your perspective in Columbia, how hot is Shane Beamer's squad right now? Well, they've won four games in a row. That's something that doesn't happen around here very often or hadn't happened in a while. And they were able to get things on track against some lower level teams in Charlotte and South Carolina State and went on the road and beat a top 25 team in Kentucky that they hadn't beaten very consistently in a while. And it was Beamer's first road win, first road SEC win, first conference top 25 win. Two birds, one stone there, then, then kind of a similar deal a, a uh, on Saturday night playing Texas A&M and, and beating them for the first time in program history. So uh, things are, are going very well right now in Columbia on the field. And, and as y'all were saying, the, things have been going pretty well on the recruiting trail already, but uh, they're, they're starting to get some, some progress where, where it matters the most. Yeah, I mean, the one negative we'll put on there in the 2023 class, not a single quarterback. On Saturday, though, they offered Syracuse commit Lenora Sellers. What is the likelihood that they're able to flip him? It's tough to say at this point. They they just offered him a couple of days ago, but it's certainly a guy that they've been aware of and looking at and evaluating for, for quite some time now. And and he's been committed to Syracuse since March. He, he's got some some loyalty there and a couple of the coaches on that staff who, who were on the staff at Virginia before Bronco Mendenhall stepped down. Uh, it, Sellers was committed to, to them in Virginia. So uh, they're going to have, South Carolina is going to have to fight that a little bit, but uh, Columbia, South Carolina is a lot closer to, to Florence than, than Syracuse, New York is. So we'll, we'll see if South Carolina is able to, to pull that flip off. And, and they're certainly trying to get them on campus this weekend when Missouri comes in and plays at 4 o'clock at Williams-Brice. Hale, Shane Beamer went into the transfer portal to get the starter this year. That would be Spencer Rattler. He's had an up and down year, hasn't had the most productive season on the field. But what's the approach for this program when it comes to quarterback recruiting as, as a whole aspect of things? Well, I think first and foremost, they would definitely like for, for the high school level to be where they get most of their guys, regardless of position, but, but quarterback as well. Uh, circumstances are, are what they are right now. And Dylan Lonergan, a guy who they kind of focused on for the 2023 class, committed to Alabama uh, in June or July, excuse me. So um, they had to kind of reset a little bit and, and figure out whether they were ready to move on Lenore Sellers or if there was a possibility that the 2024 quarterback who's committed to him, Dante Reno, uh, whether or not he was going to reclassify from, from that class and, and graduate in 2023. Uh, it looks like that's off the table since they're moving forward with sellers. Uh, and if they're not able to, to make that happen, then, then again, yeah, they can go back into the portal and, and get, get a guy there potentially, with, which, as we all know, they did with Spencer Rattler earlier uh, in the 2022 cycle. And then as, as Beamer's staff was getting into place when, when they signed Jason Brown out of St. Francis, who, who's since transferred to Virginia Tech. But South Carolina is certainly no stranger to, to going to the portal and getting a quarterback, that's for sure. Yeah, well, this is not Portal 24-7. This is recruiting 24-7, so we're going to stick with that. Three-star running back, and I'll say it, five-star name, Khalifa Keith, is committed to SEC East foe Kentucky, but they're hoping to change his mind. So what's his interest level in the Gamecocks? Seems pretty significant. You know, they, they didn't offer him until about a week or so ago. Uh, they had some coaches on the road two weeks ago during the bye week and and had a had an assistant go, go to Keith's high school in, in Alabama and 
uh, offered him sometime shortly thereafter. And I think turning around and getting him on campus for an unofficial visit is is probably a pretty good sign if you're South Carolina to, to be able to get a guy in that quickly after offering him. And obviously him being committed to Kentucky is is a hurdle that they're going to have to clear. But uh, I, I think Tennessee is another one that that's sort of in that conversation as well since, since they've just offered and and I believe they've hosted him for, for a couple of visits already this season as well. So uh, I think that uh, maybe you look ahead to what's next down the road, maybe trying to get him scheduled for an official visit. When that happens, we'll see. But uh, it, it seems as, as things are, are progressing in the right direction for South Carolina and Khalifa Keith. The Gamecocks already have four-star running back Dontavious Braswell committed in this class. Hale, how important is it for them to add another running back in this group? I think it's pretty significant. When, when you look at the current roster, they've got Christian Beal Smith, who's a graduate transfer from Wake Forest. He's done after this year. This is his final season of eligibility, super senior guy who, who, who's going to be done. So he'll, he'll be off to the next level or, or uh, done with his eligibility. Then, then Marshawn Lloyd, who's a former highly rated recruit, who's having a real breakout season, and one of the most productive running backs in the SEC, I don't know if it's a given quite yet that he's going to be moving on after his third year at South Carolina, but you know, if he keeps producing like he has these last two weeks against or last two games against Kentucky and Texas A&M, he's certainly going to have a decision to make. So that's possibly two guys that you're going to have to, to account for on your roster for next season. So it's kind of natural that you, you want to go ahead and try to get two guys signed and, and, uh, and like you said, Dontavious Braswell is already committed and a, a, a real speedy guy. And if they can go get Khalifa Keith and, and add a little little power to that, that duo and, and would make for an, an interesting combination. Hale, South Carolina is all over SEC rival recruits right now. Another one, four-star safety Terrence Love, currently committed to Auburn. But Auburn decision makers are not currently committed to really anyone. So, Hale, how much does it help? <laughs> SC that the Tigers have no athletic director and Brian Harson's days as head coach are reportedly numbered. It seems that it's pretty significant. He was a guy that, that visited South Carolina in the summer and they didn't offer until uh, I guess maybe early on in his senior season uh, when, when it seemed like things are, are getting kind of out of control there at Auburn, maybe more so than the normal around there. I, I think they kind of tried to strike when that opportunity presented itself and, and getting him back Again, kind of like Khalifa Keith, getting him back for an unofficial visit is is just generally speaking a good sign, in my opinion, because you still have that official visit in your back pocket. And when, when you're able to have a guy come in and, and experience a game at, at, at your stadium, uh, a game like that that you win that was a, a big-time atmosphere, I, I think you, you got to feel good about being able to convince him to come back for an official visit uh, at some point down the road. Hale, you mentioned the key words there, opportunity to strike. Do you feel like, and we are in flip season after all, do you feel like Coach Beamer and that staff are seizing that opportunity to realize that right now could be that their opportunity and their chance to, to really make a dent in some of these rival schools? Absolutely, and it, it helps when you can bolster your, your group and, and maybe take, take away a little bit from, from a team that you have to uh, compete against every year. So they're, they're certainly no strangers to – to recognizing uh, an opportunity to, to go out and capitalize on some momentum. I mean, they they did it this past offseason by getting Spencer Rattler and, and bringing in some pieces around him at, at those offensive skill positions, and uh, one of them being 
Antoine Juice Wells, who, who leads the team in receiving. If, if they don't have uh, Spencer Rattler in this class, I, I don't know how, how likely it is that, that he's going to necessarily end up at South Carolina. So, so yeah, when, when, when you have some momentum, uh, if, if you're, you're a college staff, you look at that as an opportunity to, uh, to try to keep building on it and, and take it to another level. All right, how about a 2024 two-for-one special? The second overall safety, K.J. Bolden, number 11 player, tight end, King Joseph Edwards, two teammates who visited together over the weekend. How much do you think one player's decision affects the others here? Uh, with those two in particular, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily going to be that way for them. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't ask either one of them directly when I caught up with them after, after the game on Saturday, but uh, they're obviously friends, and, and, and I'm sure that if – the situation down the road at, at a school is, is right for the two of them, then uh, maybe they end up sticking together and, and playing on the same college team. But I, I don't know how likely that is at this point. I do know that, that South Carolina's got uh, some pretty fierce competition for both of them, that, that's for sure. All right, let's end here. The big get would be five-star Nicholas Harbor, the number one athlete in the nation. South Carolina is now the crystal ball favorite for him, and there was a time when athletes from the DMV area didn't often look to South Carolina, but with him, Desmond Umiyazulu, Tosin Babalati, and a few others, that's starting to change. How much credit should Beamer get for kind of opening up that pipeline? Yeah, you mentioned those names, and, and there are others that, that are committed and others that are trying to get committed, whether it's in this 2023 class or, or 2024 and even beyond. Uh, it's It's been an area of emphasis for, for Shane Beamer. Obviously, the ties to, to Virginia Tech and his history there with his dad and, and all that is significant. Uh, it shouldn't be overlooked that Torian Gray, who's the defensive backs coach, who, who played at Virginia Tech with Shane and, and worked for his dad, uh, he's got some ties to the area as well. He he was an assistant with with the Washington Commanders when when uh, when they were under a previous team name. So there there's all kinds of ties there, not just Shane Beamer. And Pete Limbo, who's a special teams coordinator, is is from the New York area originally, and is, is coached at some places up in that part of the country as well. So uh, it's it's almost a group effort up there. And I didn't even mentioned Sterling Lucas, who coaches the defensive ends and outside linebackers, who who helps work that area as well and, and is certainly involved with, with a lot of the guys that they're trying to bring in, Nicholas Harbor included. Yeah, it's a good area to recruit from as well and a team effort as always. Hale, thank you so much for joining us. For more on South Carolina's recruiting weekend, head to thebigspur.com. Hale also has a look ahead to this weekend and who the Gamecocks are hosting when Missouri comes to town. Blair, let's go back to Nicholas Harbor. Everybody knows his name. He would easily be the biggest recruit Beamer has reeled in as head coach. But for people who haven't seen this guy play, just how special, and we use this word a lot in recruiting, how freaky is he? He's the freakiest of all the freaks, <laughs> right? Number one on Andrew Ivan's freaks list for this 2023 recruiting cycle. And uh, someone that's very unique, someone that has been labeled as an alien, uh, runs a 10.21 personal best in the 100 meters, has a 4.6 GPA, can do it all, can play edge rusher, can play some tight end flex receiver hybrid. Th this is a player that can do it all. And I think the sky is the limit for him. If he wanted to go pro as a track and field athlete, he could 
could go pro as a track and field athlete. So Nicholas Harbour would bring a lot to this class. He would bring a game breaker that could impact the game either on either side of the ball. And this is a player that arguably is maybe the most coveted in that area right now in this cycle and, and perhaps the best athlete that we've seen in this country for a long time. My eyebrows went up a little bit when you said alien, but watching him run track, yep, that was the correct use of that word. Thank you, Blair. All right, speaking of five stars, the number two overall player in the 2023 class is making his big announcement Thursday. Cormani McLean will commit live on CBS Sports HQ at 6 o'clock Eastern. Our crystal ball predicts Florida, but tune in Thursday to find out where he's headed. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube page. He's Blair Angulo. I'm Emily Proud, and this is Recruiting 24-7. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.